Gaming is an adventure. You can delve into the deepest sea or soar above the highest mountain. You can become the hero, slay dragons, or rule entire civilizations. You can do this all alone or with the fellowship of the best companions. So what do you say? Are you ready to go on an adventure? This is the Gaming Adventure Club Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Gaming Adventure Club Podcast. I'm your host, Manny G, and I am joined tonight by a good friend, Thaden. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, Manny. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing absolutely wonderful. And in case anybody is wondering, Andy is dead. No, he's not dead. He's, uh, he's, is he flying? No, I don't think he's flying. I think maybe he's flying home tonight from somewhere for his job. So, uh, if, if you don't know, Andy has two jobs, he's a fireman, but he's also like a, like a fireman trainer or something. Like he goes and trains bears or <laughs> I don't know. He does something where he flies around the country, but he always takes his Xbox with him. Yeah, so. Always has his Xbox with him. He, he's got his priority priorities in line. Yes, he does. Yes. So we, we love and appreciate that about him. So yeah, so <laughs> Thaden volunteered his tribute to come and hang out with me. Yep. Awesome. Hey, we've known each other for a really long time too, right? Yeah. Um, since the Destiny reset days and you're one of Destiny. Yes. Yeah. No, it's been a long, long journey, you and I together with a bunch of different games. So yeah, I'm excited. It's been a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, Thaden's a part of the Gaming Adventure Club. You know what? I love it. I love that there's so many people there and just about everyone that I talk to there, it's like, we've known each other for years. So it's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. And it's also been really exciting the last week or two is that we've exploded with uh, Division stuff too. Oh, Lots yeah. of new faces. Um, got met a lot of new people, gotten to play with hear lots of new voices over xbox live for me so it's been been a lot of fun for sure absolutely yeah bridget and i like everybody knows well i probably know by now started that division two podcast and okay, since now. then lots of people have been coming into the discord to uh to have some some division discussions i'm actually really thankful because there's we've met a lot of really good people and yeah it's it's a great uh great place to come and hang out yeah so, hey, we've got all kinds of cool stuff to talk about, but before we do that, we have been both playing The Division 2 quite a bit. Oh, and yeah. be before we jump into the news, I wanted to get your take on The Division and what you think and how how you've been like enjoying the game, because we've been playing just about every single night together. So what yeah. are the things that kind of stick out to you as as like a positive compared to uh, like uh, the division one or your expectations and what are like a couple of the negatives that, that you think could be approved on? If, if it's okay with you, I'm going to start with the negative. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, which is to me, the story is just really weak. And I, and I think that a lot of people have kind of, I don't know if they were expecting that or not. Um, I don't, I wasn't expecting the strongest story in the world, right? Yeah. The divisions, the division one story wasn't, terrible but it wasn't you know the focus of the game so so that's something i would have liked a lot more i think the division is always one of their strengths as far as storytelling goes has been the lore in the world you know what the npcs yeah. say 
and the echoes and the other random bits and pieces of data that you find around the cities. But it's like the NPC characters specifically just don't stand out to me very much. Yeah. There there have been several boss fights for me where I'm like, I, I didn't know the boss had come out <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and suddenly the mission's over. So, oh, yeah. Story is never super important to me, so I'm, I'm more or less happy with it. But the lore leads me into one of my favorite things about The Division and The Division 2 specifically, which is I, I love feeling like I can just roam through the map and look for whatever I want and do whatever and not feel like my time is wasted. I, f- I feel like a lot of that's a recurring thing a lot of people are saying, which is they feel rewarded for exploring and looking at the world and discovering. Yeah. Like I... Before we were recording, I spent like an hour circling like four blocks trying to find a way into this underground to find a piece of art that I know I've seen, but I can't get to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like my time was wasted at all. You know, I did different interactions in the world. I took a control point and, you know, I've gotten loot. And I, I got enough experience to get another proficiency cache. Like, I feel rewarded for doing literally no objective on purpose. And so... That's, I think, probably it's one of its strongest things. They just fixed scaling. That worked. That's nice. Yeah. And then the challenge of the game is also just something that I really enjoy. We've talked about this a lot, and you and Bridget have talked about it a lot. This is, uh, you know, the AI is really smart. You know, they make good tactical choices in the game yeah. in real time, which is crazy to me. And it adds a whole new difficulty level to the game. Yeah, man. It, I, I totally agree. The story is, is just, it's just there. And it, and it's not even there all the time. The way they have the game set up is you can do any side mission and even the main missions, you could kind of do them whenever you want. And the cost of having that freedom of gameplay mm-hmm. is to have the story kind of broken up into these little fragments that you kind of piece together yourself as you go. And none of those story bits are actually really that strong. And mm-hmm. like, I struggle to remember anybody's name, like any NPCs at all. So yeah, it's definitely not its strength. But like what you're talking about, the the exploration and how you just find things just by running around, you know, and then you get rewarded with all this loot. Like mm-hmm. that is definitely what makes The Division such a special game right now because, you know, you do get rewarded for your time. And that is, Absolutely. for some reason, seems kind of rare in looter shooters these days. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you'd think they would, uh, as a genre, have it down by now, but... Uh... You know, it's it's good to see, you know, that one of the developers here take a product that they had had before and just iterate it and make it better with the exception of the story and yeah. just uh, keep improving on it. And it's it's been so well received. I'm really happy yeah, about it. Definitely. And I, I do see the story as kind of sacrificed to gameplay. Mm-hmm. And personally, I, I'm fine with that because the gameplay is so strong. Yeah, Absolutely. So, all right. Yeah, I, I just wanted to talk, get your take on The Division so far. It is such an interesting game, and I'm really enjoying myself uh, playing it right now. But we've got <laughs> some new stories, buddy. Let's do it. You ready? Yes, we do. I am ready for you. All right. Story one. CD Projekt Red says, this E3 will be the most important one for the studio yet. So this yeah. story comes to us from PC Gamer. Says last year's E3 has been the most important one so far throughout the whole CD Projekt Red history, Kaczynski said during the company's 2018 financial results presentation. But this year's is going to be the most important one for us yet. 
We have really prepared a strong show. Later on in the presentation, Kaczynski said the studio will have some surprises to show us, but no pop stars, sadly. And while some publishers made it a point to publicly deprioritize E3, he stated that for CD Projekt Red, at least, it is and similar shows remain the best moments for big announcements of big launches during the year. Yeah. I think this is really fascinating because there there is the whole trend that Sony kind of started and EA kind of followed suit about deprioritizing E3 and and kind of showing that the that the convention isn't what it used to be. It's not mm -hmm. serving the purpose that it was meant to serve any longer. So people are publishers and developers are starting to care about E3 just a little less. But I am really glad that uh, CG Project Red sees how important that this is, not only for the industry and for developers and publishers like them, but also for us gamers. Because to me, like E3 is the most exciting thing that I get to, to witness during the year. Yeah, you know, E3 is, is one of the biggest events of the year for gaming in general. If, for as long as I can remember, keeping up with gaming news it has been yeah i think this is a great idea from them like you said sony and ea are deprioritizing it a bit that hasn't been met with a lot of like great press from, or great response i guess is a better way yeah. to phrase that from yeah. a lot of people i agree um which is one is kind of whatever but with i think it's a great move on cd's part to be out and be like well these people are backing off we are investing more heavily and i think it uh at the very least, it's a it's a it's a way for them to get more attention on what they're presenting each year, and if people are going to leave space open for you to step into and uh, take advantage of, by all means, go for it. <laughs> that's that's exactly what's happening. I mean, they're you know the the more you see studios and developers back away from E3, the the developers that are staying there, they're becoming more prominent. So I think we're going to see some major things from Cyberpunk 2077 this year at, at E3. But is that is that a game that you're looking forward to, Thaden? Is that your type of game? That is a game that's kind of been on the fringe of my radar. I haven't seen a lot about it. And you know a lot of the games I, I enjoy are you know, sure. RPGs, yeah. and especially when they lean heavier in like kind of MMO tropes, yeah. um, like we've got with Division and Destiny and WoW. While being an actual MMO, um, <laughs> yeah. but so for me, it's going to be a lot about what the gameplay looks like um, and how it feels. Um, I'm not super big on single player games uh, too much, unless they're like the core mechanics of the gameplay are really strong. So that's what's going to matter to me. I think for the most part, I think the setting's yeah. really cool. I think the concept is really cool. Just uh, you know, once I get my hands on a, like a demo or something, that that's where I'll have my real judgment. I think. Yeah, I find myself personally just losing interest in single-player experiences pretty quickly, uh, except for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I did not finish that. Uh, I got busy, but mm -hmm. I played it for a long time, and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun game. As far as um, Red Dead Redemption, I played it for a while, and it just, man, it just fizzled out for me. It wasn't there. And then the online portion came out. And the online just didn't even feel like the single player game. Like it didn't feel the same at all. So yeah, that kind of died for me, but I do have some high hopes for uh, cyberpunk because mm -hmm. I like just the setting. I like the, 
just the whole idea of having these these futuristic abilities and guns and stuff and just just a live sprawling city where the npcs kind of have their own life and stuff and so the whole idea mm -hmm. like grabs me and first person shooters in general are a, a genre that i prefer but i'm i'm just so i have so many unanswered questions about like multiplayer and co-op um, because for me personally, I think, uh, the kind of games that I like the most are games that I can enjoy, enjoy with other people. So that, that's yeah, still a absolutely. big question mark for me. Yeah. So, so, um, it, if it turns out that it's a single player only experience, I'm sure I'll pick it up and I'll probably enjoy it for about a week or two. Um, but then after that, you know, the, the thrill is gone. Sounds like a good one to rent. For you and me, <laughs> uh, so like 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 we're saying, you know, we emphasize the multiplayer so heavily. Um, uh -huh. You know, maybe red box it for a bit and just see how we like it, and then you know, make a firmer decision at that point. Um, yes. Yeah. The, like, the, oh, I was gonna say, Assassin's ahead. Creed is kind of like my biggest exception for single player games. I love those games, and if it wasn't for the fact that my girlfriend has hoarded Assassin's Creed Odyssey from me. <laughs> Uh, i'm sure i would have played a lot more of that but yeah <laughs> that's all. oh that's right she liked it quite a bit right i don't know how many hours she put into her first playthrough but she's currently like 35 or 40 hours into a second playthrough right now uh, nice. where she's making all all different decisions and that kind of thing you know uh, alexia so, or cassandra she's played as cassandra both times yeah um and the first time she went for she she's a very opposite to me in a lot of ways for playing games. She loves single player experiences and hate multiplayer experiences. Yeah. But she um but she looks up endings and things like that and will go straight for certain endings. Mm -hmm. So she went for the good quote good ending, but not looking into what that actually was oh, and made the yeah. decisions to that point uh -huh. and then was not pleased with what the community thought was the good ending. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's doing her own just like these are just the decisions I would make. So yeah, well, that's awesome. That's cool though that she's she's going through a second time. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, not to be outdone by Google's announcement of a Stevia sugar replacement or a Stadia, their <laughs> Google's uh, new console, which is not a console. It's it's a cloud service. Whatever. Apple announces <laughs> Apple Arcade, which is launching this fall. Yep. So from the official website, Apple says Apple has joined forces with some of the world's most innovative game developers to push the boundaries of what is possible. Oh, my goodness. We're working closely with these visionaries to help them realize the games of their dreams and yours. Well, that is the most Apple statement about a gaming product that I've ever heard. Absolutely. Uh, I, my thing with that, like, I love Apple's statements about everything because, you know, uh -huh. it, they could make the t most minor of changes to a device and make it sound like it will change your world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're very good at that. They're very yes, good at selling are. the minor things, but this is not a minor thing. This sounds like a big thing. Big project. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting. So what it is, it's, it's a, it's a gaming service and they're going to offer over a hundred new games. And it's all for one monthly price. So it's a subscription model similar mm -hmm. to like Game Pass. But they're saying that there's not going to be any ads in the games. And there's going to be zero in-app purchases, which oh. is completely crazy. That is like nothing like a mobile gaming, 
right? Because the whole deal with mobile gaming, why we're supposed to hate it, is all of the scummy things they do to take advantage of people to get them to pay more money. So this this is a really interesting approach. And and kudos, 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 yes, I almost said poodles. Uh, kudos to Apple for doing something like this because I think this is a really big deal, not having those mm-hmm. in-app purchases. Yeah, that's um, that's a big shift away from not just uh, uh, mobile gaming in general, but just the whole games uh, market right now. Like yes. everyone, you yeah. you just can't escape in-game purchases at the moment. Um, it it seems anyway. If they hold hold true to that promise, that's a big deal. Yeah, I think so, and that's that's kind of like a. I think that's a major feature that should be like number one. Uh, just in today's day and age, it's available for iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple TV. And another thing that is really cool, you can every single game you can get with this service, you can play offline, which is completely opposite of what Google announced last week, where you right. have to have a super good internet connection to play at all. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Like, I, So I don't really have any Apple products at the moment, but I do mm-hmm. need a new phone. So maybe I will in the future. Who knows? Yeah. But like that's always something that is appealing to me is be you know on the plane or you know whatever maybe you're if you have a data limit or something like that on your mobile device or yes. whatever you know that that helps a lot of a lot of people it's I know a lot of people who are in that situation I I share a plan with my family and we've got you know we got 20 gigs for our mobile plan that's a lot but yeah. if you're not careful you can definitely get through a lot of that me and my wife were on her dad's data plan and we have something similar we get 22 gigs and then after that they just throttle the the heck out of your phone Mm -hmm. so you can barely use it but man i i um i get super close to that cap every month and it's it's usually my fault too so you know (laughs) with the with the whole x cloud and stadia and stuff those seem like really great ideas but if I'm playing games on my phone, then I'm probably not at home. And if I'm not at home, then I'm using my data. And if I'm already using almost 22 gigs of data, I can't imagine how much data it's going to be with playing and streaming video games. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So this whole lot. offline thing is, I think, is a really big plus. Yeah, absolutely. It says up to six family members. On the plan, right? Yeah, so th- so it's a bit of their uh, like a family plan, right? You still have like uh, different restrictions you can have with younger family members. So if you're a parent or dealing with uh, younger siblings, you can set up those restrictions as well. So that's pretty good. And also, like the last comment that they have on their website is that they're committed to your privacy, which is. Mm-hmm. Quite a contrast from Apple or uh, from Google because Google is all about selling your privacy and making their profit <laughs> off of your data that you give them just by using their products. So, yeah. yes, Apple is launching Apple Arcade in a very Apple way. And I mean, man, I was, I think I was pretty hard on Google last week because just because of their reputation and, and how I feel about their business overall even though I use lots of Google products, I'm sure they've profited from that. I think Apple is doing something different and it's pretty interesting. The only questions now is like, how much does it get a cost? And are the games any good? 
Yeah, I mean, those are the, those are the big remaining questions, right? You know, access to yeah. over a hundred new games. Do games cycle out? Because that, like, that's that's one of the things I think about. Yes. When you when you throw the word new in there on purpose, to me that may as well be an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely a, a a very big wait and see thing, and then just an, another thing for the like committing to privacy. Especially if it's like you know a family plan. If you if you got kids playing on this on this plan, it's, it's just not another good thing to throw in there. You know, you never know what's going to happen. If the if there are games you can play online, you know, having your kids interact with other people on the internet, yeah. maybe not what you want. Who knows? But uh, it, it's definitely good to see. Definitely a competing product, but also just you know another option to what uh, Stadia. It's yeah. gonna be and um the the business model like what is what is in it for developers uh this this is kind of funny because you create a game that's going to be a part of apple arcade and the way you get paid for that is whatever subscription money apple gets a percentage of that is going to go to the developers but the amount you get as a developer is dependent on the amount of hours people play your game so if you're playing a game where people are spending all day and there's another game where no one's playing at all, the other per person's not really going to be making any money. Mm -hmm. So this seems a little a little risky. Yeah, it, it does remind me a bit of, it used to be called YouTube Red. I think it's just YouTube Premium now. Um, but that's yes. similar to how YouTube Red used to, or YouTube Premium work. Um, obviously you get extra content when you're one of those members. Um, but, you know, the money you pay into that it's divided by who gets your viewership yes. in exchange for not getting ads. So it's an interesting thing that, you know, it's a concept that's been pioneered a bit by YouTube that they are going to try to apply to games. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a a really good connection. I didn't even think about that. And you know what? I have YouTube Premium. As do I. Because I signed up for like a free several month thing a while back. But I think I love it because, yeah, there's no commercials. And I just download whatever videos I want to listen to while I'm at work. And then I just play the audio in the background. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, like that's more or less what I do at work, too. It's just like have audio and stuff going on in the background while I'm working on a file or something. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm not an ad block person. I, that's just all I am, all it is. But I don't like ads. So there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Apple Arcade coming this fall. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about it later this year. Yep. So next up, Nintendo is rumored to release two new Switch models later this year. So this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. This story comes to us from Kotaku. Uh, expanding on the rumor that was first published last year, the Wall Street Journal now reports that Nintendo is planning on releasing two new models of the Switch and both may be coming out in 2019. The Wall Street Journal says that they will have enhanced features targeted at avid uh, video gamers, although it wouldn't be as powerful as Sony's PlayStation or Microsoft's Xbox One X. And they specifically mentioned the Pro. So I'm not too sure if they're thinking it's gonna be comparable to the original PlayStation or the original Xbox One, but we'll see. The second model is a cheaper option for casual gamers that Nintendo sees as a successor to its aging handheld 3DS devices. So the Wall yeah. Street Journal cites both parts suppliers and software developers in this report. Yeah, uh, this is actually really exciting news for me. 
uh, as I am one of the only f- one of my friends that does not have a Switch. Um, not just uh, our friends from the Discord, mm-hmm. uh, like you guys, but also like my friends from high school. Like, <laughs> like we still get together every now and then, and they all have Switches, and I do not. <laughs> um, and they, they, they all got to play the new Pokemon game, and I, would, yeah. I just, I, I could not. <laughs> so... Um, that's exciting for me to have a like a cheaper alternative to to just be able to play with them and uh, keep up and do what they're doing too. I think this is really exciting for people who want to switch but haven't wanted to actually buy it just because of the type of device mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I do like the idea of having a switch. I don't have one, but having it uh, a system that only plays like 720p for that little tiny screen it's not as bad as as like a 720p tv obviously but the resolution when it gets kind of fuzzy i just i can't handle it like it just Mm -hmm. doesn't work right in my brain anymore and i know when i was younger like i never cared about that whatsoever but as i get older and my eyesight just isn't as great as what it used to be i mean it happens to all of us the older you get the worse your eyes get so Back to life. yeah, exactly. It's like having, having like a higher resolution screen is something that appeals to me greatly for, for a device like this and having it more powerful, you know, and who knows what other kind of features this quote unquote pro version is going to have, you know, and I know I've said it before, but I'm hopeful for something that is, that just looks better and plays smoothly. Yeah. For me, it's a hundred percent just wanting to be able to you know, keep up with my friends and play the games my friends are playing. Um, you know, I Pokemon. I think is the one, Pokemon and Zelda. I think are the two games that I have yet to grow out of. Um, yeah. And so, uh, like I've played them my entire life, and to not be able to play them because I never, I also never bought like a Wii U. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't play Breath of the Wild on that either, and it felt like a waste to buy that just for that. Well. I, I considered it. I sure, totally sure. considered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, so that's a really interesting. Like for me, that's that's what it's all about. But like, I have a 3ds and I love it. And but you know, you can only go so far without upgrading your hardware. So yeah, and the the older the 3ds gets, the less support you see, right? I mean, that's just the way. Yeah. Every single console goes over time. But having this second model, which is a cheaper option, that they're focusing for more casual gamers. I think that's really cool because that's probably the one that people will get like for their kids because it's likely, yeah, like they said, it's going to be a cheaper option. I don't know how durable it's going to be because it seems mm-hmm. like the switch isn't super durable because, you know, you have the joy cons that, that stick on the side and stuff. And if, and if a kid drops that, there's a lot of regret there, but if there's a cheaper model for my kids, then, then shoot, I don't know. depends how much cheaper, but maybe right. I'll even get one for them. Yeah, and that's an excellent point also. You know, it's, you know, you see kids all over the place with like, you know, iPads or whatever tablet you know, yeah. you, uh, they have access to or their parents are willing to have access to them for it. But I can't imagine that this specifically more inexpensive version of the Switch would be more expensive than any of those. Maybe a little more narrow in what it can do, but like, yeah. Definitely a, a, a fair option, and if it's durable enough, you know, if it can survive a fall from th- three feet most of the time, it's probably probably worth it. Yeah, I think so. And this whole idea of Nintendo releasing 
like, I don't know, halfway through the life of the Switch, uh, these new iterations of the Switch, I think it's a good idea for them because, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but last year we had a show where we talked about Nintendo falling short of their sales expectations for the Switch model by like mm-hmm. a few million. Adding these uh, new SKUs to their Switch lineup is going to really help them stay profitable because I'm sure there's a lot of Switch owners now who would love an upgraded version. You know, maybe they bought it day mm-hmm. one, they love the Switch, but it's getting old, maybe it has a crack on it or, you know, whatever, and they're going to look to upgrade or get something new. So I think for Nintendo, this is a really, really good move. And, you know, Nintendo's the kind of company that I want to see successful. I want to see them making money so that they're around for a long time. Absolutely. I I, I feel like I can never say enough good things about the way that Nintendo conducts their business. That yeah. they're, always, they're always such a great reference for what a video game developer and publisher should look like as far as they handle a lot of things. And so I want them to succeed. I want to be, I want to, I want them to be rewarded for like, you know, taking a moral stance and being like, you know what, this game's not ready. We're delaying it. I think they did that with like the most recent or the Metroid that's supposed to come, supposed yes. to have come out soon. And they delayed that. That was like a completely new restart. Right, mm-hmm. they completely cancel the current project and said, "This is not what Metroid is supposed to be. We're starting over and we're starting now." That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and they're like, everything they do is like, we, "This isn't to our standard. We know this. You know, we we know you told you about this time, and we're sorry about that. We just can't. We won't. We will not ship a game that is below our standard because it's not what you guys deserve. It's not what Metroid deserves." When the Wii U was doing poorly, I like the CEO. I forget his name. Is it Reggie? Um, I don't remember. But he t- he cut his pay by That's like right. I remember he, that he, he cut his pay like in half. He's like, it's not fair for me to get whatever my my pay is, and for us to be struggling right now. So he cut it, which is in stark contrast to you know what we've seen at Activision Blizzard and you know <laughs> things like yeah. that, where it's just yeah, yes. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to finally play me some new Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I hope this is real. You know, I hope that the Wall Street Journal sources are correct. So yeah, they said from part suppliers and software developers, they have their confirmation. So it, it's probably a thing. I, so. I remember hearing it from some other sources too, and just talking with my friends. So I think, I think it's definitely in the pipeline. I don't know that they've had it like a Nintendo direct for it to announce it, but um, yeah. I know it's definitely been a conversation people are having. Yes. And also it's a story that I didn't put in here, but I did want to mention it quickly um, because Nintendo definitely reminds me of it. Sony had a, a similar thing to Nintendo direct where they talked about a lot of different uh, new games coming out, but most of them are mm-hmm. uh, VR focused. And I think there's around 4 million um, uh, PlayStation VR units out there, somewhere around there. So they announced a ton of new ones. So I think that was really, really interesting. And, you know, it was a bunch of games. I don't play, I don't even have a PlayStation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to run down all the different games they had because, you know, I'm totally clueless about them. But it is interesting that they're looking to continue that business and just a few million units isn't all that huge. So people had been asking, why are they making new games for this thing? It's not really a growing business. 
Well, they want to show support and they want the business to grow. And the only way they're going to do that is to keep making and pushing new fun gaming experiences for that device. And I definitely yeah. think that the new PlayStation 5 that's coming out, who knows when, is going to have a VR, uh, VR headset to go along with it. So I think it's important to, for them now to get people into VR at this lower price point so that when it really takes off as far as their new console goes, that that whole VR experience for the PlayStation 5 will be like this this thing that they know uh, hey, we're, we can we can have, be confident in Sony. They're going to support this project long term. I, I think you nailed it on the head there, which is like, you know, the the inexpensiveness of the PSVR is such a big deal. Like, I just tried VR for the first time last weekend. And after I got over the disorienting motion sickness <laughs> yeah. of my first experience uh -huh. in VR Skyrim, uh, I, I thought it was amazing. And wow, I, I couldn't yeah. wait to see what was going to happen with it. Um, but, you know, uh, my buddy Tim was showing it to me and he's he's like, you know, the the buy in. He has a Vive, but the buy in for that for him for him is like two thousand dollars minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people just can't do that. And when you've got the PlayStation, you're looking at like three or four hundred dollar buy in with I could probably another what, like fifty to one hundred dollars for games and stuff that you need for it. Like, you know. Yeah, you're at a good spot just to get going, and the quality won't be as good as some of those higher end products. Sure, but sure. you got your foot in the door, and if it's the only VR you can afford, and if it's not terrible, yeah. honestly, if it's not yeah. terrible, like they're in a good spot to grow their business in that way. Yeah, definitely, and I, I do think it's pretty interesting. I don't have, I don't really have a place in my house for VR, to be honest. Like my office here is is also a school room and it's also a laundry room. So it's, yeah, I just don't have space. So I've never really considered it, but I do think the idea is, is a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So our last story, we're going to talk a little bit about Gearbox at PAX. Ooh. They finally announced Borderlands 3. It is real. But we've all kind of known this for a while because, you know, there's been so many leaks and teases for a long time. So it reminds me of the old uh, Bungie Destiny leaks where they were, the devs were just like posting pictures of uh, leaky pipes and things like that uh, <laughs> with like yeah. duct tape around them. Yes. But yeah, no, it's exciting. It is exciting. Um, but before they talked about that, uh, we learned about a Borderlands Game of the Year edition being remastered coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox, and PC. And it's not just a, an up-res or an upscaling to make it like 4K compatible or, or new system compatible. It is a real remaster. So yes, 4K support, HDR, a lot of quality of life changes, like a mini map is being added, an improved inventory system where you can mark junk and things like that. They also have like a character customization option as well right at the beginning of the game. So it, I don't know exactly how in-depth it is. They said that you can choose different things there. Mm -hmm. So I think the point is that they are trying to get this borderline experience into the hands of people who have modern equipment now who have never experienced the world or want to do it all over again and to do so like in a modern way. So I think it's great because I've never played Borderlands like ever. So to have something that will actually run really well on my system, this seems really appealing to me. Yeah, and um, I've played a little bit of Borderlands. Um, 
some of Borderlands 1 and 2, and I, I really played just with my friends, and it, like, it, it didn't sink my its teeth into me, probably because I was still into Destiny and WoW at the time. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to tear me away from either of those at that point in time, but, uh, you know, I had a good time, and it, like, the game felt good, and, you know, I, after playing The Division and Destiny for so long, I definitely want to get back in there and try it out and see, you know, how the, how the uh, grinding systems and like or the looting systems have co- how they compare and just you know give it a give it a go. I had a lot of fun when I played it. Yeah, so I'm look I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I think that's probably coming out like next month. He said it was like very very soon, so I think there is a date, uh, but I, I just couldn't find it when I was putting the show notes together. Mm-hmm. But the gearbox presentation, I actually got to watch it. I was having dinner or uh, lunch with with Sarah, my wife. And I mm-hmm. just remembered, oh, this is happening. So I just pulled up my phone and started watching it. She didn't seem to mind too much. So I guess I'm okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a good idea when you're having lunch with somebody to actually have lunch with them. But in this right. case, I pulled up my phone and watched the presentation. And man, it kind of uh, it kind of made me sad because they were having such a hard time. They had a ton of technical issues. Like the trailers wouldn't pray, play properly. I forgot the guy's name, but he was doing like a magic trick and the camera kind of revealed uh, his trick and stuff. So it was like, that's rough. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And I kind of felt like, like really sad for what was happening because, you know, they had been preparing for this presentation for a long time. PAX is a really big deal to them Mm -hmm. and a really big deal to, to, to their fans as well, because they'd been excited to see this presentation for a while. So to see it kind of like not totally ruined, but really uh, hampered by technical issues was was kind of, you know, sad. And man, the the Internet was really mean about it, too. I saw so many tweets and even articles being written about what a mess it was and how disappointed they were and, you know, blaming things on Gearbox. And I, I was like, fine, you know, you didn't like the presentation. You know, it's a free presentation. You didn't even pay anything for it. <laughs> You know, you weren't even there at PAX. If you were there at PAX and you're disappointed, okay, maybe that's one thing. But mm-hmm. what yeah. we got out of it? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, like, it, it's just one of those things where anytime you're you're in the spotlight like that and um, things don't go smoothly, you know, people just tear you apart. Yeah. And it's it, unfortunately that's what what happens. Um, luckily, they've had a few people in the last nine to twelve months go before them announcing uh, sequels that. Have really lowered the bar for them, so <laughs> that wasn't true. that bad. Yeah, and I, and I, I kind of like uh, my mentality is to not kick people, at least good people, when they're down. Mm-hmm. So I did not want to have any kind of th- those feelings. So I just kind of jumped off of Twitter and left the internet for a while because I didn't want to partake in that. But we did. Uh, get to have some pretty cool stuff. We had a great Borderlands 3 trailer. And, you know, just right off the back, so we all understand this is just a teaser trailer. It was a few minutes and there's actually a bunch of information you could glean from this, especially if you're a Borderlands fan, because there's a lot of returning characters. This takes place uh, a few years down the road. So you see the same characters, but it's, it's just a teaser. That's that's mm-hmm. all it is, uh, because I, I saw another article as well, and I I actually I forget who wrote it, but it was it was just trashing about 
the fact that they didn't add all these things that they were hoping they would see with Borderlands. And it's like, what are you talking about? This is just a trailer. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. seriously. Yeah, so, so, so okay, there's a lot of negativity out there. If you're feeling negative about this for any way, any reason, if you've been influenced by any of this whatsoever, just, just take some alone time, pull up the trailer on YouTube, and just watch it for what it is. You know, you do that, and you're going to see what they're offering. It's just a teaser, but it looks great. Like, I thought it looked really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with, with things like this, especially when, when it's not a gameplay trailer specifically for me. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> get, like go big, go all out, you know, make it appealing to me. You know, I yeah. know watching like the World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth cinematic trailer that my in-game experience is not going to look like that. Yeah, like, no. I, I, I understand that. Uh-huh. Like, you know. <laughs> There should be a little bit of, you know, a separation. You know, let's be fair to everyone who has yeah. a cinematic trailer. If we're gonna, if we're gonna accept some of those, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the the art style was there. It's very Borderlands. I think it's a beautiful. I love the art oh, style. I love it so much. It's really cool. And you know, when you actually watch it, like on a, you know, I was able to watch it on a four K monitor. It looked fantastic. Ooh, it looks so good. Yeah, so I'm so I'm pretty excited about it. I I love the art style. Like I can I can live in that world for a while. Look great. Uh, they emphasize multiplayer co-op, so that's that's definitely a thing, and that is exciting to me. I want to play with my friends mm-hmm. and go through the whole game and co-op. You know, and that's you know that's that's a part of Borderlands. One thing that they emphasized was that they have like a billion guns in the game. It's a big claim. <laughs> so just to be clear, a billion gl- guns, that includes all the, v- the, the variants, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you could have one gun that has like a ton of different roles and a ton of different things about it. So it's not that they have handcrafted one billion <laughs> separate items. That's not what we're getting. But they did want to emphasize that is, that is just to say, hey, there is a ton of loot, Right. So Can you th- imagine being on that dev team? You need a billion <laughs> different guns. Yes. For the last five years, I have been doing 50 <laughs> guns a day. I'm nowhere near done. Yeah. But How hard would it be not to duplicate that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, you got in the in the, the teaser, you saw all kinds of different stuff. You know, guns with like legs where they're running around. All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And that's the, what Borderlands, Borderlands is known for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited for it. It um, definitely, from what I had played with with it before, was um, reminded me of essentially the understanding the art style is different and it's a shooter, but mm-hmm. it, it reminded me very much of uh, Diablo three when you and I and Andy had played together. And, oh yeah. Um, like it's it's that kind of co op. Um, well, the old games were that kind of co op. I don't know. How these new, if uh, the new game is going to expand on that in any way. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what they've got and um, if they can uh, rope me in and get me to play it for an extended period of time with you guys. Yeah, I'm definitely giving this one a chance as soon as I can. We don't know when it's coming out. Uh, I believe Gearbox made a comment sometime last year at an event where they talked about a, an unannounced shooter coming out in 2019. 
So, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's not, who knows, <laughs> who knows? So I'm sure we'll learn more about it, all the details and stuff that's coming up this year for sure. But with that, we're done, Thaden. That's a show, buddy. Done. All right. Nailed it. First <laughs> Nailed try. It. Yeah. First try. We're just doing a, this. We're just doing a, our first take and that's it. Perfect. <laughs> So thank you to everyone for listening this week and special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate all of your help there. And thank you for that. Thank you so much for all of you leaving five-star reviews on iTunes. That is very helpful to us. They didn't, if anybody wanted to come and say, Hey, good job with the podcast. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter, uh, at Thaden, that's T-H-3-D-N, uh, and you can find me in the Discord, um, you know, same there, and, uh, just come on by, hang out, say hello, and if you want to jump into the Division right now, or, you know, any other game that we might be into in the group later, just, uh, hit me up, I'm down. Absolutely, there's a lot of people playing a lot of different games right now, so it's really cool. And if you're not a part of the club, just go to gamingadventureclub.com slash discord. Until next time, have an adventurous week. Take care of each other.